Welcome to Sport Insights with Imagio. My name's Bridget Lacey and I'm joined by Imagio Group Managing Director Sam Maxwell. Hi Sam. Hey Bridge, how are you going? It's obviously a, yeah, an exciting time um, in the AFLW space with round one just uh, finishing over the weekend and um, yeah I guess on a, you know, a Perth side the, the first ever um, yeah, AFLW derby uh, this weekend. Absolutely going to be a massive week, of course. We know AFLW has been getting bigger and bigger every year. We're now in the fourth season and feels like we've come a very long way since that very first year. Um, I did want to chat to you about how you sort of got involved. Obviously, you've got two very key figures in the AFLW game on your books in uh, Michelle Cowan who of course is now an assistant coach at the West Coast Eagles in their inaugural season in the competition and then Kiara Bowers who's who's one of the very best players in the competition of course a, a gun midfielder at Fremantle. Can you sort of talk us through how you got involved? Yeah so with the the, the player side um, to work with any uh, player, whether it be on the AFL men's or, or women's side, you need to be accredited with AFL Players Association. Um, I've had my accreditation now for, I think, coming up to seven or eight years. Um, and yeah, I was working with Kiara for for probably about two and a half, three years. Um, obviously, she missed the first, first couple of seasons of AFLW after three knee reconstructions. So last year, to see her to see her play, yeah, her first season was was really exciting. I mean, everybody knew, um, I guess, the talent and and what she was capable of. But to really kind of you know see her to see her play on on the big stage and um, really perform, and I guess, show the rest of Australia what she what she's capable of was was really exciting. I guess a, a reward for just the professional that she is. You know, she works exceptionally hard in season, but also off season um, as, as well. And you know, she's uh, her performance on the weekend. You know, like, was indicative of that. Um, as I said, she's she's a, she's a professional and, and really good to work with. And then Michelle, obviously, you know, a trailblazer, I guess, in the uh, the, the women's the women's game. Um, she's she was the inaugural coach. has a has a very strong um, you know coaching record um, prior to that over in Perth and and over east. Um, and now at the Eagles in a in a bit of a different role, but um, yeah, she's very well regarded uh, in the AFL industry. And she approached us probably about th- coming up to three years ago to help her with um, a few opportunities. And yeah, she's also equally good to work with. And as you said, from a from a WA side, but equally from you know from a calibre um, across Australia, two um, you know two very prominent you know um, figures in, in the AFLW space. So. How are you viewing AFLW as it stands? Clearly, we've we've added another four teams coming into this season, and and the eventual goal, of course, is that all eighteen AFL teams will also have an AFLW side. Big crowds around on the weekend, and and the I guess the players are becoming more recognisable as well around town. Little kids certainly looking up to to the women just as as much as the men. Yeah, I think you're right. I think well, firstly, it probably gives it firstly gives um, uh, female players an opportunity and a pathway. It sort of gives them um, something to something to aspire to, and it gives them you know great opportunity. Um, 
And I think you'll see as time goes on, as you as we probably have the last little bit, um, it's only going to strengthen that opportunity. Only strengthen the competition, so it will strengthen the AFLW competition, but at the same time, it will strengthen the feeder competitions and um, you know down to grassroots. So I think that's that's really good, you know, for the game, and that then you know gets more people involved um, to watch and want to play and all that type of thing. But I guess like with anything, there are always you know teething and um, in feeder problems. Um, um, right from you know from the start, I guess you know Cricket Australia were probably the, the the leaders I would say in Australia from a you know from a from a female sports space what they're able to do um, with, with with the girls and um, yeah the AFL have have you know followed followed that and I think over the next couple of years you just see the you see the game continue to grow and continue to evolve I think it's important that we don't try and get too big too quickly. Um, so that was, you know, that was a big part of only, you know, starting with a select number of teams, adding a few more this year. And then over the next couple of years, I think, yeah, eventually we will see every AFL club, um, yeah, both with a, both the men's and, you know, women's competition um, to, yeah, to stand alongside one another. And we thought who better to talk about this subject with than someone who's been there at every significant step along the way in the past decade, that being... Michelle Cowan and uh, yeah, she's she really does sort of she has done it all in this space Sam yeah look she has done it all she's um, from from a young age her her dream and her aspirations of it to be involved um, in footy and she's yeah she set a path she's been able to do that um, for, for, for many years now and she's someone who is very well recognized uh, in the AFL industry. Um, but also in the in the wider, broader community as well, from a leadership side, um, and what she yeah what she brings, and um, yeah, as you said, no better person to, to to talk about the growth of of the women's game and um, everything that, that that entails. And yeah, let's look forward to our conversation. Let's hear from her. Here's Michelle Cowan. Michelle, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's a wonderful. It's as we know a massive week in football here in Western Australia but before we jump into to what's going to be a huge derby at Optus Stadium I did want to take you back to your your I guess journey in football because I was reflecting a bit on I guess when I was a kid I uh, I played peewees uh, for a couple of years in football and then I wasn't allowed to to keep playing basically as a kid and then I'd return to it as a teenager but only played for a couple of years I mean what what was it like for you when you were a kid you know was that something you would have liked to have pursued a bit if there were more opportunities yeah I certainly would have I um, absolutely loved all sports growing up so played basketball and played state cricket and uh, any yeah, golf any any sport that I could play I absolutely loved and I guess when I looked at AFL I'd, I'd watched so many games on TV and absolutely loved the game but there were rules in place that didn't allow me to play so um, you know, I was really driven to be involved and I thought well there's no rule saying I can't coach so I'm going to be really stubborn and, and go down that path and um, make a career out of it. So what age were you when you you started on that pathway? I, I remember it really clearly. I think I was about 14 when I made that decision that coaching and and teaching people is what I really enjoyed doing. It was one of my first ever jobs I actually had, uh, albeit in soccer and, and a multi-sport program at a local recreation centre. But 
if I had to focus on what sport I absolutely loved, it was AFL and, it, you know, that was my weekends. I'd be watching as much footy as I can, whether it be AFL games or, or local waffle games or just your local community football as well. So for me, um, a passion for coaching and teaching people combined with the passion of the, the sport that I love the most um, combined to make a career just absolutely made sense. So obviously you, we know the this, this story well by this stage that you, you came through the waffle ranks, of course, and then when the women's game started to become more prominent, of course you went across to Melbourne and coached what was then. They were, you know, exhibition games every year that we saw, not, uh, you know, a full-on competition like we have now. And then, of course, when the AFLW was launched, you came back as the inaugural coach of Fremantle the first two seasons there. Then you had a break uh, to spend some time with the family, much needed time with the family, Michelle, and, and now you're back in uh, West Coast Colours as, as an assistant in their first year in the competition. So really, you've you've kind of seen it all, Michelle. Yeah, look, on, on ref- reflection, really, um, I'm just proud of the journey in the waffle system. That gave me some really strong foundations and learnings in regards to my coaching and, and dealing with people, but also surrounding myself with some quality coaches like Darren Harris and and Todd Curley as well as Tony Walters down at South Fremantle as well. So to work with those guys and to really develop myself as a coach was certainly just a great opportunity and then to uh, get the knock on the door and the opportunity with Melbourne Football Club really saw I guess myself take those next steps in my career to be in the AFL system and um, yeah, love love the four years that I worked at Melbourne, not only with their women's team and in those exhibition matches, which you know really reflect fondly back on those experiences and and those connections that I made through that time, but to work as a development coach with the the men's AFL team as well with some significant learnings and still stay connected with a lot of those people that gave me those opportunities in the early days. So it's, it feels like it's accelerated a lot in the last five years, the women's game, but I guess there were steps along the way that, that led up to it. How, how have you seen the growth? Do you feel like it has been been massive that last five years or do you think that's undervaluing what was done prior to that? Yeah, I think... You know, when you reflect on the history of women playing the game and and we know that they've been playing for over a hundred years now and you can you can see uh, the the history is quite long, so reflect that it has taken quite a while to get here. Um, but in saying that once Gillen made the investment from the AFL and and said that no, we're gonna have an AFL women's competition, it certainly has accelerated from the eight teams in season one to ten in season three and now 14 and we've still got four teams knocking on the door saying we want a women's team as well so um, I think it'll be fantastic when we get all 18 teams aligned and and they all have a women's team as well Uh, but what we need to do in the meantime is just continue to develop the talent pools that are across each state as well to make sure that at the highest level we do have uh, a competitive competition but also a great spectacle as we look to um, I guess get everybody's buy in into what we're building here. So I've heard you speak before about we're starting to see now that that generation of players who have actually 
played footy the whole way through and come through the under 18 system, the underage pathways. Whereas previously we might have seen some who have got sort of really good athletes but have largely played a lot of other sports and maybe have to, to learn the football now. So we're starting to see those players now, aren't we, Michelle, that are just natural footballers because they've really been playing their whole life. Yeah, you can and you can see them in the game and, you know, going to spring the Duffy, for instance, with Freeman or just uh, the other day, you know, kicking four goals in her first um Round one, that's her second season, but round one of her second season, she's just a natural footballer. and You can see it in the men's game as well, these players that have been playing since they were five, um, being natural footballers, and and it's no different for the women's game as well. If they've got that experience of uh, a number of years, 10, 11 or 12 years under their belt of playing through Auskick and, and juniors, uh, there's there's a different look to the way that they go about it. Um, but in saying that, those other players that come through from a different code, they're just so hungry to learn and be the best footballer that they can be that makes them absolute sponges to want to listen and grow and learn. And So they're really coachable people as well and, and fantastic to work with. So as you mentioned, we've had another four teams join the competition this season, including your West Coast Eagles. There are always going to be growing pains when you expand the competition, but clearly it was felt that the competition, you know, was ready, that there was there was the player depth to, to expand it by as many as four teams. You mentioned it was two teams in the prior expansion. Yeah, I think the, the talent certainly is there for, for going to 14. I'd probably right now would question going to 18, but I don't think we're far off. It could be in probably two years' time that I think that talent pool would be there you know, for us to expand to the complete 18 teams. So, um, yeah, I certainly feel that the 14 is right for now. I think round one is always a really uh, a, a challenging round with a lot of upset results and um, a lot of varying results as well. But I think as we'll see round two and round three, uh, the game will continue to evolve, evolve and get better and better um, as the season goes on. Do you, speaking to the and dealing with the players on a daily basis, do you, do you get a sense that I guess the younger players uh, appreciate how lucky they are that these opportunities are here for them now, whereas a lot of generations didn't have that? Yeah, they they are. I think you'll, um, you know, you can't go past anyone without someone having a conversation uh, around their nana wishing that they could have played or would have done anything to pull on uh, a West Coast Eagles Guernsey and and run out there and and everyone's got their own story and and journey to share. So I think the girls, they're certainly aware of the opportunity that they've been given And, and I wouldn't think any one that gets the opportunity to put on an Eagles jumper ever takes that for granted because it is an incredible opportunity. I know it's something that I dreamt about as a young girl being a, a supporter of West Coast Eagles myself and I get the next best thing. I get to put on a polo shirt and uh, coach the team rather than a Guernsey, which is yeah, still very fulfilling. And there's there's huge community support as well. It's It's already very popular. Uh, you see, you see big crowds all around the competition in in round one. That must be very encouraging for everyone involved. Yeah, I think we've seen another really big crowd at Optus Stadium as well with the Derby, and 
you know, we've had over 40,000 people out watching women's footy over the weekend for round one, and it's just fantastic to see all the mums and dads bringing along their children, um, grandparents as well, all uh, watching watching the games, um, fantastic coverage on TV as well. So, yeah, I think the, the support has been really overwhelming for a number of the girls. Um, but, you know, at the same time that they know that every time they pull on the jumper, they're there to be really competitive. Ideally, Michelle, you know, where, where do you see the future headed with this competition? I know you said you think in maybe another two years we might see all 18 clubs with a women's team, but what else? I mean, obviously the length of the season has been a big talking point and we know we've got conferences still, which, is, which has been another bugbear for some people. Where do you think it'll eventually end up? Yeah, definitely I hope all 18 clubs do uh, have a, a women's side um, and and then potentially all have a reserve side as well so we can continue the, to develop the talent pool and, and grow the game and put pressure on spots and things like that. Um, but I think patience is, is really important. We are only in season four and I think we need to take every year by year as well whilst trying to have a five-year strategic plan to make sure that we've um, been really smart about our expansion and growth. But at the same time, we need to review thoroughly every season um, to make sure that, uh, yeah, we, we get this right because AFL, I guess, only gets one opportunity to, to get this right. And, and there's a lot that goes into the planning and the preparation for AFLW and it, ideally, it'd be fantastic if we can invest in in these players and and make them full time um, down the track in the future when that's a viable thing to do. But I think we've seen with the amount of support and, and the amount of sponsorships um, coming into the women's team, people certainly do want this to happen. And what are some of the challenges that people might be not be aware of for the women's game in terms of I know a lot of players have full-time jobs they have to juggle with, um, you know, with, with planks. You know, some are mothers, of course. Um, we saw Daisy Pierce with her, with her twins uh, after playing the weekend. What, can you speak to that sort of stuff, Michelle? Yeah, just, oh, it was remarkable to see Daisy back out there after having uh, her twins. But uh, the reality is that we got off the plane at 9 o'clock last night and a number of our players would have been at work at, seven o'clock this morning so um, and they need that in order to I guess pay the bills and um, whether they're studying as well they need to be at class as well so um, you know it's a real challenge for them to be really organized to make sure that they can be fresh and recovered and ready to go for for round two um, and then get to training in the evenings and generally being there between maybe five and, and nine o'clock at night um, for training sessions three times a week. So, yeah, a, a really a fine balance. And we saw Jess Wushner from Brisbane Lions recently. She was working at, I think it was 2.37 a.m. in the morning as she was working on the wharf. And unfortunately, she got um, hit by lightning and taken to hospital and, and great that she played on the weekend so she's totally okay from that but you know it's, it's a shame that these girls have to continue with that shift work uh, whilst you know she was three weeks out of embarking on her fourth season of AFLW. 
it seems to me those challenges though haven't uh, precluded a lot of girls from from treating it extremely seriously. They they seem super fit, um, super switched on, and of course training all year round. Really, even though they're only they only have a much shorter commitment to actually be at the club. Yeah, absolutely. Hats off to the professionalism and the way that they go about preparing themselves and preparing their body. It's it's taken it's taken off significantly from what it was maybe you know six seven years ago to what it is today and every year just taking that step up in regards to professionalism and the clubs do an incredible job and uh, west coast eagles the girls are surrounded by great people in in welfare and and coaching and and the on-field and the off-field side of things so uh, we hope we can have conversations and communicate with girls about what that two months of the AFLW season does actually look like in order for them to prepare themselves to to go through it um, in a way that is really looking after their, their wellness and, and their welfare and that can perform as well and, and complete the season and then hopefully get ready for season five. How much crossover is there, Michelle, between the men's and the women's team at West Coast? Yeah, it's been really it's been really good. Obviously, the men train during the day, and then the women will get through the club um, generally at around four o'clock or once their work or their studies do finish. And there's a crossover there in the gym. We've got an incredible facility there, which is great that it can fit all three of our teams in there. So the the waffle teams generally in there at the same time that the the girls are in there getting strapped and getting their pre-training warm-ups um, or in the gym together as well. And and I guess with the AFL team as well, then in their pre-season, just see um, just organically how it, how it is uh, coming alive between the two teams. And, and it's been really good and something that probably brought a tear to my eye was the incredible way that the, did the jumper presentations um, for the girls, for the, the first ever AFLW team and they bought current AFL players and they bought past AFL legends of the club in as well so yeah, it was quite moving it was incredibly well done and I know the girls really um, appreciated it Now Michelle, on to back on field matters It's uh, as we mentioned earlier, it's it's a massive week in West Australian football, um, the very first AFLW Derby and, um, of course, a bit of a role reversal for the two clubs because, of course, it's always been that West Coast were there first and then Fremantle were the new kids on the block. Well, it's the opposite for the AFLW. Um, how are you approaching it as a club? Is it like, do, you, do you just go with the hype or do you try and play it down? Or Yeah, it's... Um, we're, we're probably just moving on from round one at the moment so we'll get the group in for for Monday and uh, have a have a good solid review of the Collingwood game and and then we move on pretty quickly ensuring that we recover really well with our six-day break and to take on Fremantle on Saturday night so I guess we want to uh, we want to embrace what it actually is and but we we want to just stick our head down and and move on and, and get to work really um it's just such an incredible group of girls who are uh, just getting along so well and, and so united that um you know they're certainly hungry to get out there and it'll be exciting at optus stadium 
It's an interesting thing as well because there'll be no secrets between the two teams with them, Michelle. So many people have been at both clubs, um, that sort of thing, and, and the players so well known to all of you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of respect for uh, Fremantle and, you know, they've started their campaign and season off incredibly well. Um, we saw the addition of Kiara Bowers having the influence that it does have on the weekend. Um, she's a fantastic leader and we've got some great young talent, Sabrina Duffy and, and Gemma Houghton playing really well as well. So, yeah, we're pretty uh, across their, I guess, their playing group and um, you know, the girls are still, a lot of them are still really good friends as well. But I think once you cross that white line, it's game on. It was pretty fierce against Collingwood in round one. Do you expect, I'm expecting similar, I think it's particularly early, it's going to be very fierce between the two teams out there. Yeah, I think AFLW, those, those first five minutes, uh, it's a, generally a, a hot footy with lots of contested ball and, and potentially ball ups and, and stoppages as well but um, you know hopefully once we get through those those five minutes we can play our, our style and, and our brand of footy And hopefully a lot of people down at the ground Michelle we're, we're hoping to, to break a record there aren't we? Yeah it'd be nice it would be um, we've had 53,000 people watch the AFLW Grand Final for last season with Adelaide Crows and Carlton. So that's the current world, rec- well, world record and Australian record more so for uh, women's sport in Australia. So if we can see 60,000 come to Optus Stadium, then we can hold that record for the, the greatest attendance and spectators at, at a women's sporting event. As a trailblazer, Michelle, I suppose you probably don't get too much time to, to sit back and you know, think about how far we've come, but the fact that we're even here talking about this this week, it's it's uh, pretty phenomenal and something even 10 years ago I, I couldn't have imagined. Yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, to have the conversation with some six-year-olds and, and five-year-olds who don't know any different, they just, even even my daughter who's eight years old, she she sometimes thought like women played football and, and AFLW's been around for forever really so to to see them and to see this just be their norm is, is how it should be and um, it's fantastic that girls like my daughter and and all the boys and girls now have these opportunities to play. Brilliant. Well, Michelle, really appreciate your time in such a big week, as as we mentioned, and and great to chat, and all the best uh, come this weekend. Wonderful, Bridget. Thanks for the chat. So that was a a really interesting insight from Michelle Cowan about uh, just what she's been through uh, across many years, but also uh, more broadly about the women's game and and where it's headed, Sam. Uh, Really interesting to, to get her thoughts. Yeah, you're right. And I think as well, you know, she's, as as she said, and as we sort of said at the top, she's someone who's been involved in, in many, um, in, in many different roles. Um, and yeah, it's, it's interesting that, you know, she's obviously gone from, you know, from, from the, the state leagues in WA, moved to Victoria, has coached her own side in the AFLW in her own right, and, and now, you know, back at the Eagles, um, you know, in an exciting time for their, um, for their women's team. She did speak a bit about the challenges in terms for players clearly trying to 
juggle being you know an elite sports person but also having to hold down a full-time job you know a lot of them have families that uh, you know young kids and that sort of stuff um is that something that uh, you think over time will, will change Oh, without a doubt. I mean, we only need to look at the, you know, the, the salaries that, that they're paid. They're not, um, by no means, are they, um, are they enough to to enable these these athletes to be to be full time, um, like it may be in, you know, in some other codes or, or other sports, or as it is on the on the male side. And I think it, at, over time you will see um, you, you will see that change with you know the the growth of the game. I think. Um, Longer term, I think the season probably will will get will get a bit longer, and there's a bit of a balance of exactly you know where where in the year do you, do you play the the, the, um, the AFLW competition, and I think over the next coming years, particularly with obviously there's new bargaining agreement coming up as well, um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But the, the standard will increase, participation will increase. Um, you see the TV rights, you see more. Um, members and more people watching the games and ultimately that's just going to lead to to more um yeah to, to, to higher uh, wages i guess for, for the players of course a massive week as we mentioned earlier with with the derby coming up um it's i guess it's one of those things that that is going to become a huge part of the conversation here and it's it's going to lift it again to another level because of course the west coast fans have been locked out for the past three years they've been keen to get in on this space how big do you think this will be on the weekend sam yeah i think it will be big i mean i think it, it, it just it just promotes people you know talking about you know um talking about women's footy which is yeah which is good which is exciting you said you know it's always been um you know in just in perth in a two-team town the eagles and the dockers and um the eagles on the on the male side have been the been the dominant force for you know for for, for a long time but obviously the Frio were able to get the, the the first West Australian AFLW team and the Eagles wanted in and it's going to be um, it's going to be exciting I think it's been building for for a number of for a number of years since the Eagles were announced they would come into competition um, and yeah to, to play it at Optus um, is, is going to be exciting I'm sure there'll be I'm sure there'll be a big crowd um, yeah and I'm, I'm looking forward to it you think Kiara will uh, enjoy the uh, the big stage? Oh, look, I think she's um, yeah, she's someone who who yeah, he, 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 th- he thrives on a challenge. Um, you know, look at her performance on the weekend, um, but last year as well. Um, you know, she she's a professional. She she wants to stamp her stamp her mark um, on the game, but you know, at the same time, do her off the team. So um, whatever that, that is needed, I'm sure she'll she, I'm sure she'll do, and yeah, she'll do that come uh, come the weekend. Well, it is an exciting time in women's football. It's been great to chat about it, Sam, and uh, we look forward to, to seeing what happens in the Derby. Do you have a tip for us? Uh, I don't have a tip. Oh, well, I would say probably just Frio on the just experience. That's my that's that's my gut feel. Um, obviously, the Eagles just played you know one one match, but the you know Frio have a bit more seasoned um but hey we'll see what happens come the weekend it should be very very exciting thanks sam and uh we look forward to chatting again soon thanks bridge we'll speak shortly